Gaming MBS episode 171 coming to you Wednesday, December 27th, 2017. Welcome to Gaming NBS, an RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you all here. Well, Sean, how was your Christmas, man? Oh, it was just grand. Was it awesome? It was, man. So Yours? Not bad. Not bad. All my kids were here. I had all five of them. uh, Oh, it must have been just, must have been just a, just a big family shing ding. It was lots of shenanigans. Shenanigans, <laughs> many Damn, shenanigans. Uh, Irish shit in the works again. So I know. So for me, Christmas is more for the kids than it is for me even now. Because I don't. I generally don't. I don't get presents. I give presents. I don't care to get. Because normally at this point in my life, if I want some, I'm like, oh, that'd be really nice. I just order it. Like I was sitting there yesterday after Christmas, and the kids were reading their books and playing with their stuff. I'm like, ah. I should buy Xanathar's Guide. I don't have that yet, but I just don't. I don't have a list. I don't ask people for stuff. It doesn't happen. Nobody shops kids, better. Nobody shops better for me than me. Pretty much. That's kind of <laughs> how I look at it. Um, my kids did get me. I like Moscow mules, so they got me some nice copper mugs, which was which is fun. But it's one of those things like, oh, it's a small thing. Eh, I could have bought that myself. Eh, nice they were thinking of me. But for me, mostly it's about the about the kids getting cool shit. My wife and I, if we see something like, hey, I could really use that. Why don't you go buy that, honey? Oh, that's a good idea. I'll go do that. There you go. That's the beauty of adulting. It, that's the only advantage of adulting and disposable income. Yeah, and the, and I get to eat dessert first if I feel like it. And you can eat dessert whenever you want, how 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 much in quantity you want. Exactly. Yeah. The only person to stop me from eating all the cookies is my wife, and she has to catch me first. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. All You're right. still sick? Yeah, a little bit. Not bad, though. The cough is starting to go down. You're not drinking enough whiskey. I know. I'm down to vodka, I'm feeling. It's poor, poor man's cough syrup. <laughs> poor. Never heard anybody drinking vodka for a cold. No, I know. That's why I'm saying I'm out of whiskey, so I feel bad. <sighs> anyway. Shall we on with it? Yeah, let's get on with it. So January 5, 6, and 7, if you've heard me say it once, you'll hear it one more time, is Evercon. We are pre-reg and all that is closed, but tickets still available at the door. Um, plenty of really good stuff going on. I think we've got 210 plus events happening. So this is, shit, dude, this is next week. Next week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 5, 6, and 7. First full week in January, I will be up in Wausau, Wisconsin, my hometown, Evercon.org for all the details, and I uh, hope to see you all there. I know we've got some BSers showing up, so that'll be really cool. And, um, yeah, should be a damn good con, so hope to see folks there. If you do see me running around like a chicken with my head cut off and I don't have the uh, time to stop and have a beer and hang out with you as much as I'd like, it's simply because I'm running from one con crisis to another and trying to make it so no one notices. <laughs> Which, after talking with Alex and the boys from Gamehole Con, that's pretty much the, the art of the con runner, is making sure no one notices how incredibly back office something is fucked up. So anyway, we'll get that squared away. Sean, any announcements on your side? Uh, nope. Nope. I don't. I don't think I have a single announcement. Well, it's late in the year. We're tired. We're old. I spent all mine. You spent all your, spent all my announcements. I got I nothing a, left. I had them all during the year, and now I'm out of them. Now I'm out. <laughs> all right. So let's random encounter. All right. Oh my god, that's low. It's, almost went through the other door. That was much quieter. All right, who's starting this thing off? You're going to have to. Oh, I'm going to have to, he says. All right. This is from Michael Drescher. Hey, guys. I was the guy who ran the Amnesia campaign in Fate, which was a total hit with the players. So that's where I heard it from. Because everything I, I know, I hear it from somebody. Exactly. None, of, none of the stuff I come up with is my own. Yeah. It's like, I could, oh, yeah, yeah, let me come up with this idea. Oh, I totally got it from somebody else. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with stealing perfectly good ideas. And by God, this is a perfectly good idea. 
So Michael is referring, when I talked about it last uh, time in emergent storytelling, the example I came up with is like creating your backgrounds in a situation where all the player characters don't know who they are. And then they discover themselves through play, therefore creating their kind of character. And so Michael was the one where he, he ran this uh, at, I think, GameholeCon, right, Michael? I think Michael, he... Nod. Michael Nods. Yes, of course for, he did. Yes, virtually. yes. Um, so that's what he's re- referring to. However, the reason I'm writing is because fate has emergent character creation and development, which I think somebody is going to bring up later too. You could start out leaving some aspects blank to fill in later, as well as stunts. In addition, during many milestones, you can rename one of your aspects to better suit your character. At more major world shaking milestones, you can rename your high concept. Uh, which to me provides a far more enriching character due to the constant evolution of the character. Uh, Better yet, it's built into the system. I've been so happy with how fate characters are never just mere stat blocks. I would also argue that no matter what RPG you're playing, the quote-unquote fluff is the character. The stats and skills simply reinforce said character. Keep up the awesome podcast as always. May your swords stay sharp and your wits stay sharper. I like that, Michael. I think you're right. The fluff <clears throat> essentially is the character, and the stats and skills are there simply to back up and support that concept. I like that. I like that statement. That's good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, All right. Mike. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, Michael. Thanks, man. Sky Slayton wrote in and emailed us on episode 170, the previous one. Uh, so first, let me tell you that I'm a UPS driver, and it's two days before Christmas. I had to stop to write this email as soon as the episode was over. That's crazy, right? That there. is crazy. So that means <laughs> that means if someone on Sky's on Sky's route didn't get their gift, we're sorry. We apologize. There it's you our go. Fault. It's late. That's right. I agree with Sean. Oh, oh no. <laughs> well, I don't. I, I, I don't think I can continue reading. Hang on, hang on. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We gotta keep right. track. This is what I was talking about last week. I alluded to. All right. So we're sorry. At, okay. One for Sean. Sean. One. Brett. <laughs> Uh, goose egg. Oh, all right. So I agree with Sean, says Sky, the madman that he is, uh, to the point that I was not even sure Brett was really serious. Were you yeah. just playing devil's advocates for the podcast? Oh, Sky, to the wow, heart. He, role reversal. God damn, right to the bone he cuts me. The major point I think everything uh, diverged on was this. Mechanics are different than fluff. It doesn't matter what the mechanics are. Um, doesn't matter what the mechanics are. They are different than the story you grow on their pergola frame. So as far as I see it, the second half of the main discussion was essentially Sean saying what I just said and Brett disagreeing. Yeah, you're probably right there. Yeah, pretty pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Games without specific mechanics for social con- connections where the GM rules on whether or not a fluff detail will cause a mechanical effect, those details are still fluff. Any effect that they have is DM fiat. First half was an order of operations disagreement. It can be fun to build your character on the fly, but if <clears throat> you limit these times and sessions, you can change something. It's essentially the same as just rebuilding your character at a certain point. I use the AL rule that uh, until level four, you can change your character. I personally added one other restriction that it can only be changed twice. And to agree with Sean, there were what? where you weren't born doesn't matter in D&D. Who you know doesn't matter. Must have been on fire last week. I don't know what's happening. There's <laughs> some, some, some fucking bizarro world here. Um, if you can swap out uh, the info for any other proper noun of that type, it doesn't matter mechanically. Um, was that TIDR? Sean was more clear in what he said, and I agree with his perspective. Building character stats over the course of gameplay and letting someone rebuild a PC has no real difference in D&D. Unless the system assigns story details and mechanical value, they don't matter, mechanically. That being said, I also ask my players to build the game world details, aka fluff, with me as we play. But it's not a mechanical thing if it's fluff. It's the skin on, a, on the Terminator. The metal exoskeleton is the mechanics. The termina- Terminator works fine without the skin, but the skin is nothing without the robot. Anyway, enjoying the show. Brett, you ho- hope you feel better. Sky. Well, Sky, I was feeling better until you cut me. Just like well, that. I just, yeah, well, I yeah. mean, sometimes the truth is greater than fiction. I'm just, I'm really disillusioned with Sky don't, right now. Don't worry, I think it comes back around. Something's got him. Steve right. Orlick emails us. Okay, guys, let me tell you something I tried at the beginning of my homebrew 5e campaign. 
I've mentioned quite a few times in emails to the show that my wife is a very casual player, only in it for the family time. Every game she played prior to this sprawling campaign, she was the healer because, quote, she's a mom. That's what I do. Take care of people, end quote. That's fine, but at the start of this campaign, I wanted her out of that comfort zone. This is role-playing, not to be a mom. So I came up with an opening encounter designed to leave choices up to her that would lead lead to her class. It wasn't easy. I probably could have done it better, but it was basically a lot of weapons lying around the house. A large dog, voices in her head, her emotional state, etc. In the end, she had grabbed the woodcutting axe by the fireplace and flew in a rage at the orcs who had killed her husband and infant. Barbarian it is! All choices were her own throughout the encounter, and that's how it went. Her hatred of orcs is a major cornerstone of the campaign. That being said, I feel that emergent character creation can work, but can only go on for so long. Maybe a level or two at most. In my games, I give people to uh, change their character at level three. That's where you become a specialist in your class. I think that works better than the ongoing creation angle. I think after that point, it becomes character growth as opposed to character creation. You can multi-class, change the personality stuff and backgrounds as you go through life in the campaign, etc. So that's my thoughts on the subject. Hope they're worth something. Keep the BS coming. Steve Orlick. That's good stuff, Steve. I do like the way you... Um, I like that approach to getting the your wife, in this case, out of her comfort zone a little bit. And I'll tell you what, that... Barbarian who hates orcs because they killed her family. That is a much more potent in-game reason because it happened in-game. The truth is on the table. And there it is. Everybody saw it, knew it, felt it. Yeah, there's a reason why she hates orcs and why she's a barbarian. So that's totally awesome. That's really well done. All right, Crimfan comments on the blog. Not sure if you have the book, but one of the last White Wolf books appears in a friendly local gaming store was World of Darkness Mirrors. Had a bunch of alternate character building options, including one that involves holding back points, um, holding points back, excuse me, to be spent later from a fixed total. When you have points held back, you also have more luck. <clears throat> the system would be pretty good for an emergent type of game. It's a cool book worth checking out. Example of a way you might have characters work this way in fiction is the original Star Wars. Luke would have held a fair number of points back while Han and Chewbacca were much more set and committed. Hmm. I've not looked at that Bookrim fan, but I do like me some World of Darkness, so I think I will have to uh, see if I can scan myself a copy of Mirrors. Very cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Avi. He comments on episode 170 via G+. It's common in fate to have characters with just the top skills assigned and the bottom two-thirds of skills not assigned until it comes up in play. It's one of the options in the core book. Augie, darn it, you Oh, we got a cat attack. That's a oh, cat. The guy's driving me crazy. My, my squirt bottle is in my, my bathroom. I got to go and grab it pretty soon. I apologize. Carry on. Uh, carrying on. What Sean was missing is that character background is relevant fictional positioning. In D&D 5e, fictional positioning can grant advantage or disadvantage for a role. So there is mechanical tie-in for character background, or fluff, as Sean put it. Uh, at our table, we let players change their character pretty extensively for the first three to four sessions. After that, it is frowned upon to change character beyond what is in the rules, except for tweaks that remain true to how they have been playing the character. So that's where so Michael and, and Avi obviously... Um, they're a lot more fluent in faith than we are. That's, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> Absolutely goes without saying. Um, but I I thought it was kind of because uh, Michael's I think he's on he is on G plus, but I don't know if he saw Avi's comments because he wasn't in the same thread. So it's kind of funny that two people both chimed in with fate consistently saying hey, and then it, of course Avi's like commenting on my fluff piece yeah but no one said brett's right they just said sean's right well so right now I'm, we could we, we I'm, could call it i'm a little i mean hurt. I, i'm a little I, hurt I, although i gotta say i've got the edge from so many episodes i could let you have one well i could right, let you have I, mean, I could let you have a win i mean the, you know 
It doesn't happen often. That's true. Because Brett talks more. So when Brett talks more, I can't bring up a point. (laughs) Therefore, I always lose. All right. My my odds of losing are exponentially higher. That's true. That is a a technique I use. It's a rhetorical technique, as in I just keep talking so you can't get it in the word. It's a debate technique that Brett uses uh, fairly well. Although I, I tend not to thwart it very well either. Oh, well. He's coughing. He's drinking. He's clearing his throat. All right. (sighs) So good stuff. Thank you for everybody commenting on the last episode. You know what I think is really interesting out of all of that is... I don't don't know. ...is, Sean, that everybody modifies their characters. That's, I mean, not everybody broad statement, but everyone who wrote in and what what I saw online, and I don't know if anybody said anything on the webpage besides um, Crimfan, excuse me, but... It sounds like most people and a lot of the gamers I game with or and have played with over the years are all in favor of you start with character and then you modify them after a couple sessions just to make sure it's what you want it to be. I wonder if does anybody hold still and say, no, you can't do that. I'm sorry, that's your character too fucking bad. I mean, that's that's hardcore old school, right? Where you're like, no, you made that character too bad. You rolled a wizard, you're a fucking wizard. You know, if you don't want him, hope he dies. Otherwise, you have a wizard. Off you go. I wonder, yeah, many, I, I wonder how many I people actually hold the line and just say, no, you can't modify the character. I bet you that guy. Hobbs guy does. I bet you he's a freaking stickler. Yeah, he's probably a bastard like that. Oh, I bet a total SOB. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Well, we, we, we know him. I mean, it's just 3D6 down, 3D6 down the road. Yeah, exactly. 3D6, throw out the highest die. That's how he plays. He's just tough. He's hardcore. 3D6, <laughs> throw, throw out the high. highest die? <laughs> He's Holy tough. shit. He's hardcore, max man. Of, max of 12? He's hardcore. Shit. He doesn't fuck around. He's tough. No, anyway. He, but probably very fair. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think his middle name is fair. It probably is. <laughs> Jason Hobbs, Hobbs from Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. Yeah. Anyway, I just I think that's interesting. I I wasn't certain. You and I have talked about. Hey, can I modify my character afterwards? Yeah, sure. And it seems to be kind of just an assumed thing in many groups, from what I can tell. And I'm wondering if somebody out there is saying, "No, that's not what we do." You made your unless the mechanics allow it, you are not allowed. I wonder who plays like that. Well, and I think that us game masters, you know, you and I, and and the rest of the folks that kind of probably listen to the show. Mm-hmm. They're probably pretty easygoing peeps. Like, I don't, none of, nobody I've met or talked to or interacted with come across with an iron fist. Now, I think that, I think we could work on that in 2018. We, we, could, we could make that a goal. No, we will be bigger dicks in 2018, I swear. I, th- I, I think as game masters, we need to step up a little bit. <laughs> Maybe put the fist down every once in a while. You know, maybe a yes and turns into a maybe yes but. Or, or hell, no but. Or a hell no. Maybe. So maybe we go that far. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, we'll start with hell no before we get to fuck no. Exactly. Yeah. You ease into that one. You don't, you don't just right. go right for the throat. No. Something to shoot for, folks. If you find yourself being a little too flexible and your care, you know, players are kind of like, eh, you know. You think they're walking on you? Yeah, that's right. If they're walking on you, feel taken a little advantage of. And it's don't stand for that shit. No. Kick some ass, man. Right. You don't have to lay a forty five on the table like Brett does. No, no, that's that's only for very special circumstances. Well, Brett's dealing with guys that have twenty years of like adapting to Brett. Exactly. So he does have to pull out literally the big guns. Well, at this point they're they're they have a they have a resistance to bullets at this point, so it's tougher. Yeah. It's tougher to wound them. Right. All right. Shall we carry on? Let's get to the topic. <laughs> Let's get into the main topic. All right, Brett. Well, I'll tell you, last time Andy Hall wrote into us and was talking about exploration as kind of a theme slash driver behind um, RPG campaigns. He had mentioned, you know, like the Skyrim concept of this true sandboxy, even Fallout 4, he he's, he mentioned some follow-ups to us. We got a host of stuff. Andy, you basically wrote all the talking points for Sean and I to 
hit at through this thing. So thank you for building the show notes for us, Andy. This is awesome. Yeah, we're just going to read what Andy says and make it sound like we came up with this. Just like as Sean said earlier, someone else had a better idea than we had. We're going to steal it and pretend it's ours. Um, <coughs> and just before we got on the mics, I told Sean, I said, you know, there is, take the Lewis and Clark thing or the concept of, you know, Vikings looking for lands or anybody who's ever looked at a map with a big blank space and said, I'm going to find out what's over there. Where the king pays you, where the queen says, hey, go forth and find a better way to India. Go find a way to the heart of Africa. Hey, go find this thing for me. Or whatever it is. There is more to... How do I say this? So, being an explorer is not... Sometimes you're going looking for the Fountain of Youth. Or you're looking for a Allah's Aztec Gold City or something crazy like that. But in a lot of cases, it was simply like, I don't know where this river goes... I think it goes to the ocean <clears throat> at some point. It'd be nice to know if we could float logs and uh, other goods down there because it'd be easier to get them to the sea than overland travel. Let's go see if this works. And a lot of times it was kind of, I mean, the, those people who are doing it would not say boring, but from a standard D&D uh, spacey, like, looking for stuff, there's no, apart from encountering potentially hostile natives or people who live in the area who you have to deal with or trade with and so on, you're basically just mapping, in the truest sense of the word, you know, a hex crawl of an empty sheet of graph paper, of hex paper, and you're trying to figure out what's in every space, and how do I, what's the easiest way to get over the, you know, the Iron Tooth Mountains. And there's really not much more to it than that. It's a life and death struggle in many cases, as people are trying to find out where the, you know, where the trapping was good or where the gold was and so forth. But um, just raw exploration for the sake of finding out what's there you know, Sean, I have never run a game with that type of theme. There's been like, hey, go in there because we think there's a dragon horde. We think there's a lost ruins. We think there's there's a dungeon there of some kind, right? If I use dungeon as just a, a focal point for the adventure where there's monsters, NPCs, whatever. There's a thing there. There's a lost wizard's tower. <clears throat> you go exploring for a specific thing. Not so much as, hey, you're going to explore to map out this water course or map the right passes through the Iron Iron Tooth Mountains or anything. Have you done anything like that, Sean? Has that been... Because I know you've tried hex crawl stuff before and so on. Is that... What do you think? Yes, no? I, uh, I ran Kingmaker briefly for you and Kevin and the gang. Yeah. Um... So, I, but I haven't run, like, true hex crawl since the good old days when I was a wee lad... But, um, yeah, as far as exploring the land and divulging what's what lies in that hex or the path you mentioned. Yeah. Um, no, but I think that it's a good way to, I think it's a perfectly good way to game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because I've looked at some of the things, the copious notes that Andy sent us, which is awesome. Again, he says, as I consider exploration, I'm really thinking of open wilderness slash nature exploration and not necessarily a more contained exploration of a constructed environment, dungeon or enemy facility. And <clears throat> to me, oftentimes the overland travel piece, the going from hex to hex and the random encounter of, oh, there's forest trolls. Oh, there's, you know, river trolls. Oh, there's giants here. Oh, there's a fucking green dragon in the, in the woods. And eventually getting to the Lost Dwarven Temple or getting to the whatever the, the goal is. The groups I've gained with over the years have always seen that as like, oh, my God, what a pain in the ass. <laughs> you know, they kind of want to. We've talked about overland travel before, but that kind of exploring along the way has been kind of a, eh. I don't even want to fucking deal with it. Just get me to where the action is. I don't want to deal with those components. I don't know if that's perhaps just my misunderstanding of what people want, or at least what my game groups have wanted over the years. But that's a feeling that I get from them. I don't know if you've have you had encountered the same thing. What do well, I think it can get to that point, and and some people listening to this have probably encountered that where it's like this kind of sucks you know it's a slog or it's boring or it's or it's the game master that says you travel you travel and you travel some more okay what are you gonna do it's the end of the day i guess we'll set up camp great what what's your watch okay first night goes by uh nothing happened well first first watch goes by clink clink 
Uh, nothing happens. Who's this is how you watch? get guys like Doc who write on a piece of paper that say, I Greyhawk it. You know, right. when, when they search a body, they've got a piece of paper that says, we set up camp, standard, SOP 1, SOP 2. You know, what's your night watch, SOP 3? You know, it becomes this repetitive almost, and I know some people love doing this still, but some of the old grognards, when you would go down a dungeon corridor, every 10 feet you'd stop and swab the hallway with a thief tied in the end of a 10-foot rope like a cotton, you know, like a cotton swab trying to find traps, you know, or whatever it is that you did. This kind of monotonous, bam, bam, bam. And I think that raw exploration like that, unless you uncover a point of interest of some kind, like, hey, I've explored, 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 and lo and behold, I went, I'm going to, you know, find the temple of whatever, or I'm supposed to find out where the bandits are camped somewhere here. But along the path, or even going to find the the pass through the Iron Tooth Mountains, along the way you find a ruined temple or an outpost of something or a bizarre tribe of goblins that are actually friendly and, and worship Tyr or something weird. If you don't in if you don't put those things in to to me anyway, if I don't throw those things in as, in as a game master, I worry that I'm going to bore the hell out of my players. That's so just going to be this very repetitive, mechanical, you know, mind numbing. Yes, it's trees. Yes, I know it's wet. Yes, I know we didn't bring enough winter clothes. Yes, I know it's fucking cold. Oh, look, it's raining again. Um, you've got to do something else to make it, you know, environmental hazards and that type of thing. Yeah, you. I I think you got to make it more than that, and I think that many folks will, if they had a huge map and it was all hex crawl, they're going to every so often... Maybe it's two or three hexes in a row. Maybe it's one hex that are that's full of certain encounters. But eventually you're going to have to take the part. Well, you don't have to, but I think the players are going to expect you to take them into a different space. Yes. And I say space as in whatever it is. It's it's gonna you're gonna go from where we're walking down this path. We're exploring off the beaten path. And we're going and we're going some more. And then something you come across something that isn't that path. It's ruins. It's maybe an underground dungeon that was you, you come across. Maybe it's a tower and something's in the tower. Or, or, bi- it's, or a bizarre race of creatures. I mean, uh, Andy, mentions, yeah. <clears throat> Andy mentions the old Star Frontier setting, the, uh, the Volturnus, which is kind of a, a planetary hex crawl. And there's these bizarre octopoid people and some other creatures on the planet that you oh my god there's an intelligent race here and you found a thing which is damn near a star trek um you know probably, you know new encounter of the week for star trek at least especially old school from what i recall of it you know kirk spock and the boys go oh my god there's a new life form we have to go talk to it and figure something out but you're right i think to break up the monotony basically is what you're saying right yeah and i also so one of his he poses the question how do you make exploration interesting and I think there's a a method you have to kind of come to terms with, and it's it's either that which we are talking, I think, more of an encounter based situation, and I think you got to get away from the you travel and you travel and you travel some more <laughs> because now, in addition to the encounter pieces, as you're doing the travel piece. It depends on how you want to get into the minutia. There's going to be some players just cannot stand it at all. Like, yeah, just you know. But so, how do you how do you meta that, or how do you get through it with it still being a factor? So many times, okay, roll weather. You know, you have a weather table. Roll on your weather table. It's shitty weather. Who's leading the group? Um, and then who gets sick? Who doesn't get sick? Maybe that plays a role in their. Are you in, lost? In, yeah, who, yeah, you get lost. <clears throat> who gets lost? And then, so what happens when they get lost? And then we start getting into things like, well, how much food did you pack? So I think sometimes we get into the, well, nobody wants to keep track of food and rations and arrows and their resources. But if you're getting into this type of game, sometimes it is a resource management piece. Oh, I, agree. I agree. The other the other component, and he mentions, Andy mentions the Isle of Dread, the old expert level, X1, I believe it is. Uh, module that came with the old box set for expert <clears throat> and um i ran it bits and peaches pieces peaches bits and pieces ages back um 
And I usually would try to do it like, okay, you, you're shipwrecked. You know, you start off with a shipwreck scenario. Now, for a con game, that works out really well. Everyone's shipwrecked. You need to get off the fucking island. Go. Well, <laughs> exploration at that point, it absolutely makes sense. If you're stuck in a place. Um, I did this to a group of characters one time. I had them teleport from one world to another. And it was like, hey, explore the world, try to figure it out. That group was pissed as hell. I think I talked about this ages back in a different episode. They were pissed as hell at me. Because, like, oh, my God, we didn't sign up to be blah, blah. They are kind of they're really crabby. Anyway, <laughs> um, some people, I mean, doing that feels overly, even beyond Sean-level railroad. Like, wait a minute. You just, we were on a boat, and we had no choice, and you pretty much shipwrecked us on the Isle of Dread. Brett, you fucker. Now we're stuck on this island. Great. And it's, I think that's a really good way, in my experience, to, uh, thinking back ages ago, again, to that type of scenario, I, I would think, anyway, it would be a fun way to make exploration necessary. That's it. You're shipwrecked on an island. What have you got? I only have what washed up on shore. The boat is destroyed. I got six barrels of this, 17 days worth of this food, X amount of rope, so many arrows and spears. Good luck, adventurers. Oh, and wizard, that's all you have or, you know, what's on you or cleric or planetary. Um, you're crash landing on a planet. What are you going to do? Um, I think that can be fun. I know some people probably would balk at it, but I think as a, nothing else is a conceit right out of the gate, say we're going to do a stranded survivor thing. It, some people might want to know that up front and other people may be willing <laughs> to be shocked. Well, that's that's the thing about this whole thing, right, is... Are you going to come up with the, the, the pretext of your campaign uh, to everybody before you kick it off? Like, are you, you know, some, some game masters want to kind of, hey, trust me, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create something that's going to be fun. And some players are like, all right, man, sounds good. Um, and then they run with it, and it's like, oh, it's fantastic. Other times they gotta kind of know what they're, what the like. Is it all gonna be urban like Streets of Avalon? And Brett can go, yeah, it's all urban. You could, you can be parts of these special interest groups, and it's all politicking. Okay, that is a different game than this. Yes. Right. So I some. Or that's probably why your people were pissed, Brett, because you're like, fuck, trust me, and they were like, okay, and then it was. Wah, wah. You know, I've honestly over the years. <laughs> now that you mention this, is coming to mind. That is actually my preferred method with my home group. Is like, I got a really good idea. Make some characters. We're gonna start somewhere, and we're gonna take you somewhere. It'll be fun. If it sucks, we'll bail. All right, let's go. And we've had some misses. We're like, this is no fun, Brett. Fuck. All right, start over. Because I've known these guys for over twenty five years now. Eh, whatever. We start over. We start over. But in most cases, people are like, okay, it's pretty good. I hope we amp up the, you know, turn up this knob or tweak this other one back. We're, we're in a good place. Let's keep going. But even if you were to take it to, like, hey, wandering through the forest, going to find the blah, blah, blah. Everyone falls through a sinkhole, and you're stuck in the underdark. Get out, kids. I did that to my boys a while back. They were adventuring and um, in this ancient dwarven city. <coughs> Excuse me. Avalanche occurs. Craziness through this big fight. And they're cut off. Every way they had back out is through the rubble. And they're like, we can't dig through that. Fuck. So it was like just an underdark exploration crawl. How the hell do we get out of here? And um, Which is you know what, tantamount you know to what, being you know, crash, crashed on a desert island. You know what I call that, Brett? What? <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it's the Brett Railroad. Uh, there's an avalanche, and there's uh, you can't get to the right, you can't get to the left, and you can't go back. You can either go to the place you've never been before, which is dark and dangerous, or stay here and starve to death. What do you want to do? <laughs> well, you have options. I don't know what you're complaining about. That's right. You always have a choice. <laughs> you always have a choice. You can stay here and die. It's up to you. I don't care. Or, or you can move forward. Duh. Yeah. The other piece that, um, so those components, I, you know, and honestly... I really think I started reading the notes that Andy gave us and thinking about it before the show today. And I don't know if I've ever done it really well because it's always been like, Hey, we're going to take them through a thing for a short. It's always been like a short period of exploration. Then to the actual thing, you know, I've never had, (coughs) excuse me. I never had exploration be the goal. Even if you're in the underdark, the goal is survive is you're getting out. You're not down there 
my Connor and AJ weren't just roaming. Oh, I wonder what these stalagmites are. Oh, I wonder if we'll find some Darrow. No, they weren't doing that. They were like, I get the fuck out of here, you know, before we get eaten and killed. And um, even back in my memory to the uh, Isle of Dread, it was, I get the fuck off the island. What does it take to get a boat, you know, or find a magic way to fly out of here? I hate this shit. Um, it was never really a, hey, we're here. Let's find out what's what it is. I'm positive somebody somewhere said, you know what, I could be king of the Isle of Dread, or I could be the Sorceress Supreme of the Isle of Dread, and uh, then she goes forth, conquers the Isle of Dread, and uh, she's the most, you know, the most powerful being on the Isle of Dread, and she just kicks everybody else's ass. That's completely plausible, too. I just haven't had a group want to do that. So, one of the things that Andy brings up that I want to just touch on quick because we're going from one to the other and I, I want to skip this. So no, go ahead. He, he references Savage Worlds quite a bit mm -hmm. in, in his uh, email. But one of the things he mentioned was what's the role of the Savage Worlds dramatic task and other mechanics? Do other systems employ exploration mechanics or mechanics that can be employed or ex for exploration and also for scavenging and hunting? So one of the things that Savage Worlds has is the I believe the interlude, if it's if I'm not mistaken, and so that is uh, where it's a social thing where if you have kind of a lull in the action, um, some adventures have this built into it. Uh, some it's part of the core book that you can kind of throw it down. Is uh, so for example, in the uh, just uh, your imagination, insert imagination. God, I just get there. <laughs> freaking company wrong every time and Eric Lamoureux always corrects me um the the game that I run uh forget about it so when if nothing's like it's kind of, it's a road trip sometimes not everything's happening all the time but it's a road trip you flip cards and whatever suit you get will tell you what type of interlude kind of comes up and basically what it is is it may say you could you could assign it to a character, player character or they can volunteer like hey I, you know I'm I'm up for that right so if I say hey here's what an interlude is anybody interested in doing that they may say sure and if they don't they're like what is that so it's you flip a card and then based on this particular adventure or module it'll say have one of your characters explain a, a botched job that they were on so somebody it's a role-playing moment right so they sit it you know they're driving down the road and one of the guys brings up hey remember that time in philadelphia yeah okay right and then they you could play off of each other if you got good player characters to do that so one of the things in in so going back to that so if you're traveling you're traveling some more and you set up camp maybe you interject what would be considered an interlude whether you're playing a D, &D system or something else could be savage worlds but you could just simply state, like, hey, why don't you bring up that one time that you almost lost your life? Or you were partnered with one of the group and you found yourself lost. Emergent character background. Of something like that. Something like that. Right. But so um, it, it can go from like, well, you know, it's about encounters, but you can always just get it to be a bonding experience between the player characters. Because I think we just assume we know each other and everything's great and we have no f problems with each other, no philosophical differences. And then there's some groups that play that like thousandfold. Yeah, you could have somebody who's, you know, <clears throat> in a forget about type of situation where you have a flat tire while you're out there changing it. You flip the card and go, hey, you know, Fat Tony. Tell them, um, this reminds me about that time uh, when you guys had that other flat tire on that job in Philly. And whoever's playing Fat Tony goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. Don't you remember that, little Jimmy? And then you guys get to go back and forth and, and do something that a quote-unquote boring encounter, if you have a flat tire, takes you D10 rounds to fix, becomes some bonding moment where you're talking about a thing. Or you do Baron Munchausen. <laughs> okay. And you start it off with, okay, you start out with, a, you get a, you start out, talking about a botched job or the time you got lost or you almost got killed. And then the goal is each, it goes around and you have to out 
do the one story before you. In a game like Savage Rules, you've got bennies to hand out. That was awesome. Clink. <laughs> right. You can throw bennies at people for that. And so, or, you know, you could have some type of incentive, inspiration you can throw yep. at in 5e or whatever it is. Or you could all just sit there and whoever's the best, maybe the the, the table votes on it. Um, and then some of those things can be like the most hilarious, memorable moments. That's a very of, good point, yeah. Of a game session or even just a campaign. Like, oh, yeah, we did this, we did this and that. But remember we're sitting around that stupid campfire and we all came up with who had the tallest tale of doing this or that. Or you play Baron Munchausen and you have the same you, – you explain – the experience somebody had, but it's the goal for the next person to take that same exact experience but manipulate it yeah, into yeah, a different yeah. version, right? You know what's interesting, and you bring this up, and I saw this in uh, in Andy's notes to us and, and whatnot, and <clears throat> I mean, this is shocking to you, Sean, and to listeners of the show, of course, but I don't often, when it comes to the rules for the actual mechanics for travel, downtime and some of those pieces, I have always felt, um, <clears throat> probably due to my, you know, not remembering those rules at the time, or for whatever reason, I don't know where this got ingrained in me, was that as the game master, it was my job <clears throat> to come up with that stuff or to invoke that type of feeling, ex uh, opportunity, whatever it was. So I think this is the, from a Brett perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, and perhaps even for others, is, you know, I should crack out the 5e rule or if i was playing first ed what what you know i have the wilderness survival guide i i have these books i have stuff you know there are mechanics in a lot of these game systems for exactly this type of exploration um and even if your savage worlds exploration rules you don't ah, i really like the ones out of this game system a little bit better there's no reason you can't steal those and i guess where i'm getting at sean is if there are mechanics that would help make exploration fun enjoyable random you know, thrilling, whatever, it's not just on you and I as Game Masters to invoke or enforce that fun, thrilling, random whateverness of the of the exploration. If there are decent mechanics out there, why not use them? It takes a load off, right? I mean, that's what I'm hearing you say with the forget about it component, right? You flip that card, hey, I can interject this thing. Hey, if there's <clears throat> rules for, you know, how ocean travel works or how you, you know, spend X number of days in the wilderness, whatever. Why not utilize those mechanics instead of trying to make it up on your own? For some reason, I think I've always tried to do that because it felt more authentic, perhaps, than a random table. But uh, maybe I need to rethink that now that we're talking about this. Because you, you, I mean, you play by the rules more than I do. <laughs> I think that's a fact. Well, I don't know, man. I think so. uh, maybe... Does did what I say make sense though? I mean, if if I'm, I think perhaps myself and maybe other people who struggle with it, or at least me and maybe other people probably not like me. Thank God for them, poor bastards. But um, if I'm not leveraging a mechanic that could be making this component of my job as game master easier, that's just silly. If there's decent exploration mechanics out there for the game system I'm running. Damn it, I should probably give him a shot, you know? It's kind of like those rules we never use. We talked about that a while back, you know, grappling or encumbrance we, we hit on. And if there are better rules to help do it, I mean, I've got shelves and shelves of game books, you know, dig up some decent mechanics for exploration and, and use them, see how, they, see how they play. Yeah, and I think with some of the older games, um, like even our friend Jason Hubbs talks about on Hobbs and Friends of the OSR, it's it's very um i think it's it's you know uh coming up with a ruling right here's how we're going to kind of do it sound good everybody's like yep that sounds good and you kind of streamline it make it fast and smooth yeah and then there are some where it's like okay well <clears throat> you know for every 5 miles you you know you get to 5 miles and then you're getting into constitution and if you're Pass your constitution, then you suffer a level of fatigue. And if you're fatigued, you're taking, you know, a disadvantage on X or Y, or you're taking a minus on certain things, then it becomes mechanical. And so I think sometimes you can certainly use the rules, but I also, I also think that it depends on the nuances of the game that you're trying to create, where it's maybe just, maybe your group is more free-flowing. 
Yeah. They don't want to get into the bogging of that. And then there are some that are like, they eat that crap up. Like, oh, I love this. Okay, you know. Um, I think that goes to the buy-in component, right? If you, yeah. hey, surprise, guess what? You're all shipwrecked. Motherfucker. I didn't want to be shipwrecked. I thought we were going to, you know, stop the Storm Queen. How come we're shipwrecked, you asshole? Um, <clears throat> then you take, take that Take that anger out and try to get off the island, man. <laughs> exactly. Like... Yeah. Take that anger out and remove the DMG from my throat, and please try punch, to get off the punch, island instead. Punch your fists into the sand on the beach. Enrage. Look up into the sky and yell. Curse the gods. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's. A, I think if you get the groups buy in, I know that um, some people aren't like that. They're like, no, just fuck it. You know, you do what you got to do, and that's just what happens. But I think if you you have the groups buy in on this thing, like, look, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And then you could say things like, hey, look, I've got this this mechanics system for exploration, <clears throat> you know, with cards to flip to help do interludes or using downtime after X number of days. Or, hey, after X number of miles, we'll roll on this chart or we'll do this thing. And then you can have the player say, hey, after this, the ranger's in point, he rolls on the chart. The guy's in the back, she rolls on the chart. This character, she does this, he does this, whatever. So you can get people engaged, even if there are random charts involved, having them do some chart rolling and some of that stuff for you. I think some of the... <clears throat> with your wide-open sandboxy, truly just really walking around the world of Skyrim, as my kids like to do, and just see what's in every freaking corner of it, That's I find that more people I've talked to have a lot of fun doing that in a video game because they like the, the visual components of it. And like, oh, neat, there's a thing here. But if you do that and then take that piece, which what Sean and I were kind of alluding to or talking directly to earlier, is you sprinkle in um, a lost grave, <clears throat> a crypt, uh, a, um, uh, a lost silver mine, a dragon's hoard, um, a forgotten dead giant's carcass or something. You sprinkle those really interesting components throughout the exploration, which are GM fiati right where we i put the stuff in there for them to trip over to find i dole it out as needed and then to spice up the quote-unquote dull moments dig into those mechanics if or if your group really wants to try to ad hoc or ad lib their way through it if that's something they want to do great but um it really feels to me like this would be an opportunity for me anyway to dig back into the travel mechanics exploration pieces of it and see what kind of wisdom I can find in there. Even if what that does is provide more juice for what the next what the next idea could be, you know? Instead of having to come up with everything cold. Now, one of the things he asks as well is what is the benefit to PCs who explore? Now, one of the things we got to get over, and I think we've probably, you know, he may be pulling his hair out listening to this because... Going from point A to point B through a hex crawl of some kind or navigating yourself to a particular destination, I don't think is, is what Andy is getting at, right? That's That incorporates some of what we're talking about, but going back to genuinely tasked to explore and what is the big payoff is the outlines. And I think... I think the one big reason, and you could look at history for this, is you're either trying to find a quicker passage, you've heard of rumors of some other far-off land, deep in resources, or whatever that is, mm -hmm. and you're, you're either going to do it on your own because you're curious and you may think there's a windfall of some kind, or you're tasked to do it by some authority. Yeah, some people did it for money, for fame, which could lead to money. Some just because they're explorers and that's what they do. But yeah, that kind of that concept of there has to be a better way to get through Iron Tooth through the Iron Tooth Mountains because you know the dwarves guard this other thing and they charge an arm and a leg to get over the fucking mountains. If there, there has to be a better way through it, so now you have a political and a reason for the king, queen, somebody to go, hey, you asshole adventurers, go out there and find another way because I'm sick of dealing with this. Or, hey, there has to be a better way, you know, on our, you know, our trade route or whatever. We, we keep getting hit with this problem. How do we get around it? There's got to be a better way to do it. You know, shortcut to India. Hey, lo and behold, hey, look, there's America. Look what I, quote, unquote, discovered. A land full of people. <laughs> you know. Or, or in Kingmaker, it's you're given a charter 
and you're you have all this land that is known to be bandits, uh, known to be never inhabited or settled, and uh, it's kind of the bandit lands, and you're tasked to go there and map it all out and get rid of anything you any of the bandits, clear the land and claim it for the king. The other component too is if you do the um, the whole westward expansion component is like, look, you go out there and you you know stake a claim, you can build your own kingdom. Sure, it's it's wide open. The you know the, the line ends here. Um, if you go and this would again, you, if you've got the buy-in from the group, is like, look, you guys can start from you take something as Hobbes would say, like adventure conquer king. I could start you as plebes here as adventure types, and if you do this exploration piece and <clears throat> your group is built around the fact that we would rather, instead of being ruled by this jackass of a, you know, duke or king or queen or whomever, we'd rather go out into the wilderness and forge our own kingdom, you can totally do that. And if that's a goal, a payoff component can be, look, you know, we, <clears throat> even planetary-wide, look, I left Earth, we don't want to go to Mars, we don't want to go here, we don't want to go there, we're going to go find somewhere else where we can be in charge, have money, make blah, 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 or whatever. And um, you could do that type of thing. There are plenty of pieces across the American West is, and uh, into Canada and so on as the like the Hudson's Bay Company and these different groups would come in and try to carve out areas where they could have their own little kingdoms of trade routes and all this you know fur trading and blah, 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 where they would then take the money, send it back to England, take the pelts, do whatever they got to do with it. But people made and lost fortunes in that in that way. It's like California. It's like gold boom, boom rush. You know the the gold rush in Alaska and California and all that stuff. You could be the person who says, you know what, I could go build a city if I do this right. So that could be another, from a payoff perspective, a thing that the group may or may not want to do. Especially if you've never done a king builder scenario, right? You started off as nothing. Look, <clears throat> this entire concept here, guys, is to work your way from quote unquote first level to be kings of Volturnus. Is that something that's interesting to you? That's a path. That could be fun. So one of the things he also poses is how much information about the area of exploration do the PCs have before setting out? Uh, you know, I think depending on the environment, one of the more interesting pieces, I mean, even if you take some of the sci-fi movies and stuff. What do you know about this planet? Well, it's mostly this, 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 and this. And you land there. Oh, shit, there's aliens. Um, oh, shit, there's an ancient civilization. What do you know about this forest? Well, it's deep, it's dark, it's full of monsters. Okay. Um, having really bad information can be just as fun for the player characters as having really, really good information or missing information or conflicting information, which is even better, right? Everything says that this mountain is... Uh, 50, 50 miles due west from this from this village, except for this piece of information which says it's straight south of here. What? How, how can a mountain be in two different locations? Well, uh, two different explorers. I don't know. We're supposed to get to this mountain. King said. I think um, having the opportunity to do research can be fun. All those characters with those kick-ass knowledge skills and so forth where they can visit the library talk to a merchant, talk to the, excuse me, the local trappers, the hunters who've been out there, the people who have gone to, you know, the, the desert planet of Arrakis and talked to the people or whatever the case is. They've been places, they've seen things, pulled data directly from the mouth and of those adventures. And it's, all right, we're going there. And this is what we know to be true. You know, kind of a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy type of thing, right? Here's what I know. And then you show up and go, wow, this is not really how this works at all. I didn't know that. Um, so I think... Depending how much your group is willing to <laughs> be ignorant or walk around with what they th with uh, what they think to be knowledge, um, could uh, possibly guide you. I mean, some some groups don't like being lied to; they have a hard time with that. Where you get a you get a player character that you bestow upon them as being the research person that's that has the knowledge, but. Only certain bits. So maybe they have knowledge up to a particular point, and they know that they have to rendezvous with a particular contact. So an example would be: you got to get the get to the port, but from there, you know, you have to 
gain passage via ship. And there's one ship and one captain that knows the straits well enough to navigate them, and it shouldn't be a problem. And the reputation is, like, not a big deal. And then you show up, and the captain is completely off their rocker. (laughs) Or, Or they don't know. Yeah. Like it was a rumor, right? He he had a, a feat that he had accomplished and it got back and he's, you know, he, maybe he's just worthless. Maybe maybe before he was in his prime and now he's a he or she's a complete alcoholic. Yeah, it's a total drunken son. Yeah, you, I used to be something 50 years can't ago. Even, yeah, you can't even function. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If uh, Then what are you going to do? <laughs> this also reminds me of the Brendan Fraser movie The Mummy, which was back in early 2000s. I can't remember when the hell that was. But there's a point in there. There's a there's Brendan Fraser and his group, and there is a rival group that's l- digging through this tomb, um, looking for loot and whatnot. And they have, you know, the Egyptologists with them. They've got a bunch of American go-getters who are out there tearing stuff down, breaking things up, and trying to get loot. And they've got one Egyptologist with them who's like, whoa, 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 calm down. I can read that. I, you know, he's very, very important because he's the person who can translate and read and do those things. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I guess. What you're saying reminds me of just because you're doing hardcore exploring doesn't mean there's no room for the sage. There's no room for that uh, player who always likes to have her characters be super book smart or that guy who really wants to be, you know, the linguist. You could still really need that stuff, especially if you're going to parts unknown and you really don't know what you're going to be uncovering. Having somebody with all that knowledge, you know, Basically, a, a walking library would uh, be pretty damn handy to have. So I could totally see where that would be helpful. And I like the last one of the last things he mentioned is kind of that emergent character creation pieces, which you touched on, but then the uh, the world building piece as they're exploring, um, and you're excuse me as as the characters are going through and finding out what this that and the other thing is, and as they start talking about their backstory, and yeah, wouldn't it be cool if if you're as a game master paying attention to that stuff, lo and behold, two hexes later, there's this thing you were looking for or uh, or what have you. So I think, and even the con- the concept of having them start as adventurers and maybe end up being, you know, petty dukes or robber barons of their own in, in some crazy far-off planet or portion of the jungle or whatever, that's some world-building stuff right there. They've They've changed everything about the location around them by becoming a power of some sort. So that's that's pretty cool. I think as game masters, we try to have as many answers to as many questions that the player characters are going to pose and encounter. And, you know, there's some games, uh, some podcasts out there. I think even Stu and the gang uh, over at Happy Jacks present the players with a bunch of problems that just do that. And let them come up with the solutions. So don't try to overthink, like, well, how do you make exploring exciting? And how, how, how should I handle this? And what's their motivation? And what's in it for them? And, and this and that. And I think sometimes we get too caught up in the details. And I'm guilty of this myself. I get caught up with, like, the nuances. I mean, just even getting a West March's game off the ground, you know, overanalyzing that stuff and not moving forward i mean you give them a map that map doesn't need to be right like, oh you sketch not. it out on a piece of paper and like yeah they give you this map it's been researched for you know they they just had a ranger come back and had it all mapped out here it goes and then you start traveling and you're following the map you come to a big ass freaking mountain and it's not on the map and there's only you can go 100 miles around it or 100 you know or you can go through it like you can do crazy ass shit. I mean, the people in like the aliens movies, when they you know showed up in the very first alien movie, they had no expectation of what the hell they found. You know, you've got somebody who's you got your character wandering through the forest. They're heading to the dwarven mines, and they come upon a huge statue to Thor. It's just there. The fuck is this thing doing here? You can throw weird ass shit like the thunk. What is this here for? I don't know. Let's look around. Key off whatever it is. They, it's a problem. Right. Why is it there? Is the problem. You don't have to have the answer. I think that's a damn good point. I, I've done this many times with uh, traps and magic items and just different conundrums to throw at people. Like, what's this there for? You tell me. You figure it out. I am not telling you. 
I want to make a skill check. Does it have, what are you trying to find? You know, well, I want to know the answer. That's a shitty question. No, no, no. What exactly are you trying to do with that alchemy check? Was the stone something we've ever seen before? Maybe a rock lore. Nope. Sorry. Not seen the stone. Or doesn't belong here. Well, that's here. How the fuck did the statue get here? Ah. They, they can spin around that for hours on end while you sip beer and laugh at their shenanigans. So, yeah. No, I think you're right, Sean. That is a very good point. If exploration is the key and you throw something out, whatever it might be, whatever the problem is, hey, there's a bridge here. Why is there a bridge here? We haven't seen anything people have made in forever. Why is this here? I don't know. Does it look sturdy? Looks sturdy. What do you want to do? It's a problem, right? right? It doesn't. You don't have to give them all the answers or have all the answers yourself. Let them sort it out and world build as they do it, because as they figure out why the bridge is there, how's it made? Um, mostly vines, blah blah blah. Okay, hmm. Not work? Yes, it has really really good knots. Okay, smart people. What's you know? They start putting their building, and next thing you know, you've got an entire village of you know. Crafty bridge building elves that live in the trees, which you didn't know you had before, but the players just fed it to you. Or even just, you know, the motivation piece, right? You got to set it up. Why are they going to go and explore? What what are they doing? And just give it to the players. Here's the deal you're going to be tasked to go and explore this land. I need each one of you to have a reason why you're on this expedition. And I think you'd be surprised that players just feeding you it. I was in prison. The only way I could get out if uh, if I went on this stupid expedition. Yeah, was joined. It was my was the my key to freedom. It was prison or Vietnam. I had no, I had no other option. You know, that's why I'm here. Yeah, it was the it was that or the block. Yeah, right. Uh, I I will take my chances in a far off land full of dangerous creatures than the edge of a blade. You know, hey, I'm I'm in service to one of the lords. They volunteered me, and of course, I you know got to do what I got to do. I mean, players sometimes you don't sell them short. Let them map out some of this crap and have them come up with some of the details that you're gonna have to come up with. You know, that's the beauty of the West Marches, man. Where which do you is, wanna go? Which is overseas. This is a gent- right. this is a gentler way of our kick the players' asses comments from earlier in the show. <laughs> see what you gotta do. Instead of coming right. down hard on them, give them a problem. We'll let them fix it for you. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, you know, man, I think we, I think we beat the hell out of this. Andy, I know we probably missed we didn't address every question. Yes. Line by line. And a lot of it had to do with some of um, Savage Worlds was mentioned quite a bit and fate and some of the mechanics of the games. And I think we are hitting it more at high level, depending on no, no matter what system you're using. So, Andy, if we miss something, if you got some key pieces that you want to make sure that we, we call out, let us know. And anybody else who's listened, um, if you go through this, you're like, hmm. I think they're full of shit. Hey, I think Brett's right. Make sure you say Brett is right, because that's that's helpful. Um, or if you think Sean is right, you can say that too. That's that's helpful for Sean. But anyway, um, let us know what you think, or if you've got a better way to do this. I'm certain people have done it before and had really good success using mechanics and using ad-lib stuff or some bizarre combination thereof. I mean, we can always come out with, yeah, we've done something similar or, or whatever. And I think some of the interesting component of it might be how long has it happened, right? How long of a campaign, you know, is it a portion of a campaign or has the entire campaign been about exploration? I think we're looking for that grander answer here is can you, is that, is it fun and how, and how do you make it such? So interesting stuff, man. Thank you, Andy. Yes. Thanks so much, Andy. Uh, let's get into die roll. Let's do that. All right. Brett, uh, I'll let you do some of the listeners this week. Yeah, I'm out. Otherwise, I didn't, uh, didn't have a whole hell of a lot. I, uh, my only one for this week, new D&D movie in 2021? I did see that. Interesting. What? Yeah. Can only suck half as much as some of the other ones. <laughs> True confession, Sean has not seen a D&D movie. That's all right. You'll be all right. Yeah, I hope so. So li- link in the show notes there. Yeah. All right. So what does Eli tell us? Eli ensures us we're aware of a Zavoya RPG, which has some of the best encounter maps around. Link in the show notes. I had not taken a look at this until the show. and uh, She puts she puts out some pretty holy nice Holy crap. This pretty. is, yeah. This is some very pretty good, nice encounter maps. The cool part with encounter maps like this, even if you're going theater of the mind, you slap this stuff out there. And you don't have minis, it's okay. It's just having these visuals are really, really cool. So thank you, Eli. That's good stuff. 
Yeah. And, and since Sky Slayton is a Sean fan, I'll let Sean read about these. I'm not reading these. Yeah, he and I, <laughs> he and I become good buddies. Guys um, cahoots, that's what this is. E. Chris Guerin's blog, where they where uh, E. Chris has a list of free RPGs, and that list is no freaking joke. So if you're looking like, hey, I can't get into gaming, or maybe a friend doesn't have a lot of money, uh, but they still want a game, or you want to introduce them to a game, there's a but ton of games at this at the link in the show notes. Yeah, this is well over twenty. It's got to be over thirty. Yeah, it's got to oh. be over thirty. This is huge. Yeah, very cool. Thanks, man. And he continues with articles by Michael Beck and others uh, on a blog. Uh, blog articles to help game masters um, to include some examples include world building, um, prep tools, GM's toolbox. So. Quite a resource there as well. Um, some of you may uh, have known about this. I don't think we've ever brought it up. I did a search on our website, and I didn't bring up. No, I'm, so Sky, I've not seen it before. Yeah, Sky had a bookmark, and he's like, yeah, I should let you guys know about this since I've got a bookmark. So check well, that out. I mean, I was giving Sky some shit earlier because he was agreeing with you, but he has put out some really good links in the <laughs> Google Plus community, some yeah. really good die roll stuff. So Sky and Eli, thank you both very much. Really appreciate it. This is all good stuff. I mean, Sean, I've said it before, and we'll continue to say it: is that a lot of people have done <laughs> have done some really good stuff. I'd love to take credit for all of it, but if there's a better tool or method out there, even if you look at it and go, "Wow, I will only use an eighth of this," or "I won't use any of it," or "Hey, I like a concept, but I don't want to do it this way," it's all worth looking at, man. It's some good stuff. Sweet. What are you talking about next week, Brett? You know, I'm not sure, Sean. I've got the. Uh, Got so much Evercon crap on my brain to get ready for, making sure we got that all ticked and tight. I'm thinking about talking about uh, dungeon, uh, dungeon designing, potentially, mm-hmm. and um, kind of a or potentially Tony Baker had asked us about um, you know planning individual sessions, but how do we approach campaign planning, taking a concept from theory to session zero onto like your final session twenty type of thing? So, Ooh. might be one of those. We'll see where we go. Yeah, interesting. Very good stuff. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Gaming EBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all.